0: The Low Post is presented by Amazon Music. Did you know you could be listening to this episode of The Low Post ad-free on Amazon Music?
1: And now, The Low
0: Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on Monday morning after Father's Day, which will always be remembered in the Low household as the day Bradley Beal, the era of mediocrity in Washington, eighth seed by hell or high water, Playing Kings of the East is over. Bradley Beal, armed with the only no-trade clause in the NBA, an absolutely ridiculous, insane piece of business by the previous Washington Wizards regime, used the no-trade clause to aim himself directly to Phoenix to team up with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. A new big three in Phoenix. DeAndre Ayton remains on the Suns. In return, the Wizards of Washington, with their beautiful pink jerseys, receive Chris Paul for now. I would be very surprised if Chris Paul plays a second for the Washington Wizards. Landry the just wears out his, his goodwill with every team he's on. An unknown number of second round picks. I believe the Suns had up to six to trade. It might be damn near all of them. There may still be a first round pick swap or two, uh, which is a Byzantine thing to begin with. Obviously, this is a crushing disappointment of a return for the Wizards that has nothing to do with Michael Winger and Will Dawkins and Travis Schlenk and their new regime and everything to do with Ted Leonsis. Just... And, and the green lighting the previous regime or asking them to do whatever it takes to keep Bradley Beal happy. And Mark Bartlestein, whose son Josh Bartlestein is the CEO of the Suns, and we'll get to that connection too, Bradley Beal's agent, got a goddamn no trade clause that I think any analysis of this deal just has to start there. It's the most important variable in the, in the thing. It's the reason he's with the Suns and not with anybody else. It's the reason there was not... Like a classic trade war for Bradley Beal. The no trade clause is the whole thing. The Suns now have these three guys who, you know, all shooting, mid-range shooting, overlapping skill sets. Can Bradley Beal find his three-point shot again? I think he can. Uh, They had a fascinating choice here of how to proceed in this offseason. And we can talk about that. Woo! The offseason is here, Bobby Marks. This could have ripple effects for Damian Lillard, for Chris Paul, for the Miami Heat, for the Brooklyn Nets, for just lots and lots of people. How are you?
2: I'm good. And as we speak, Bradley Beal still has a tr- no trade clause. <laughs> that thing still, that baby carries with him to Phoenix.
0: Hey, and that was an issue with when the, this is a three prong negotiation between Mark Bartlstein and Bradley Beal, the Wizards, and whoever wanted Bradley Beal and i know for sure that at least a couple of teams if not all of them made the ask hey would you waive the no trade would you eliminate the no trade clause if we got you and that was a non-starter he was keeping the no trade clause and good for him by the way he's got it why not keep it it's a big deal he gets to pick where he lives and where his family lives that's a huge thing he should keep it
2: oh yeah definitely i mean you can't say that you know if if he was going to phoenix and you know the cell would have been hey you've got duran and booker and you know, we'll continue to build. I mean, who knows, you know, two years from now, who knows where this thing goes. And I mean, trying to get off 53, $57 million down the road will be extremely challenging, but he has it. There was no need for him to, um, to give up the, uh, the no trade. And, um, it was one of those deals where we, we've talked about it, that when you look at the no trade and the contract, it just shrinks the marketplace. I mean that's that's the reality of it here. And
0: well, it, it, well, from Bradley Beal's perspective, yeah. it expands the marketplace to anywhere you want to go. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think from and looking back in my notes, the one thing I I just I I I probably underestimated Phoenix. Like I just didn't think they would basically do a cannibal off the d- the deep end here and say here take it all, you know, and 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 be able to keep DeAndre the and then basically give up. You know, we'll talk about the picks and all that stuff, but. Man, what a uh, what a blockbuster to start the off season.
0: It's a blockbuster. Uh what would just what was your first reaction from, from I guess from let's start with the Suns cuz the Wizards we know what they're doing. It's over. They're ripping the band-aid off. We could see Porzingis opt in and get traded. I went through the fake Porzingis trades with you and Gavoni last week. We could see Kuzma gone. Like there's we know what they're doing and they're aiming for in very wizards fashion, they're aiming for the top of the draft the year after the top of the draft was historically incredible. Go whiz! Um, but it needed to happen, and it's happened. First, first gut instinctual reaction about the Suns. Second apron. That
2: was my first reaction. Like the uh, you know t-shirts made up second apron for the foreseeable future. I I, I mean I they basically like basically t- took the CBA and gave it the middle finger. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how they, that's basically how they did it. I mean, that was my initial reaction here. But then when I, when I kind of decompressed was okay, if they hadn't done the trade and they just waved and stretched Chris Paul, then you were basically looking at the, the mid, the non-tax mid level at 12, two and in the veteran minimum to build out your roster here. Now you trade him and you replace him with Bradley Beal. And you have the veteran minimum and all the other stuff's going to come down the road, all these harsh restrictions and the second apron that's really for to worry about next off season here. But yeah, my initial reaction was a second apron. And then my, um, my, my second reaction was that this is who the, this is who the Suns are. Like there's no more picks out there likely to trade or swap, or this is kind of who they are. And then I guess my third reaction, I, I'm expanding myself as what does this mean for DeAndre Ayton? That's my that's my third reaction.
0: Poor DeAndre Ayton. Um, I don't know why so he's making a lot of money. Just does anyone want DeAndre? Ayton? do the Suns want DeAndre? Ayton? the Pacers offered him all this money. I don't think they want DeAndre Ayton anymore. If they did, he might be on the Pacers by now. But anyway, I don't want to talk about DeAndre Ayton yet. First of all, you just came up with a great niche merchandising idea. If the Suns, I, the the Thunder did not listen to me about the Dort license plate that I have in my TV backdrop, but no one made it. They didn't sell it. If the Suns made like 500 orange aprons and they just put Durant's salary, Beal's salary, and Booker's salary on them in white lettering and then there had the little Sunburst logo below it, a hundred people would buy it. I would buy it. I am, now that I'm a suburban loser dad, I am a C- on the grill. C-. Started off as an F, didn't know how to do anything. I'm up to a C-. I would wear that apron. Um, I son's free idea. I would twenty bucks, twenty bucks an apron. They they must. They, it would cost two bucks to make. You'd buy it. Oh, I would definitely buy it. I would. I would. I actually would probably
2: frame it and put it behind me when I'm home. And we can show it. You know. I mean, they basically listen. Like the the rules came into place for a reason. So the 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 um these three max stars can't join itself. What what happened was is that the loophole. There's like a, we got like a, we had a two week window or a loophole and then we have another year loophole before everything else really comes to a crashing halt here and give them credit. They took advantage of it. They knew that what they had wasn't good enough. Who knows what they, I mean, they got a lot of work to do as far as filling out the
0: roster here, but, um, you know, we'll see. Okay. So let's start basic sons. So you, you, you outlined it. They had a choice. If they it, With with or without Chris Paul, their choice was essentially, let's say without Chris Paul. Let's say they stretch Chris Paul. Just, we don't want to be in the Chris Paul business anymore. We can't find a trade. We'll stretch him. Durant, Aiton, Booker, Shamit, Paul's money, Payne's money, Ish Wainwright's money. They're already at like 135 million bucks just with that. Add on some minimums. They're up to 140. So yeah, they have the tax mid-level. And so I think they calculated two things here. Um, Number one, if we went that route and we use the tax mid-level or the non-tax mid-level, the big mid-level to get a player or two, we are now hard-capped. We could not go over $169 million payroll this coming season, thereabouts. No one wants to be hard-capped. The hard-cap sucks. It restricts you. Opportunities come and go. You can't do it. Um, And they just said, you know what? Rather than that, Let's just not be hard-capped anywhere. Let's just blow past the second apron. Yes, we can't use our exceptions. That's fine. We'll have other exceptions we can use. Let's just ignore that. Blow past it. Not get ourselves in this pickle where we have a ceiling that if we hit it, we're done. We can't do anything. I think that absolutely was their thinking. And underneath that, or maybe even above it, is I said this from the beginning. The Suns did not have enough good players to lose one of them, Chris Paul, for the unknown of exceptions. who $12.2 million worth of salary you can use. He's too good for that. They're too thin for that. So I understand why people are panning the deal for the Suns. Brad Beal has not had a, by his standards, very good last three seasons. He certainly has not had a very good healthy last three seasons. Um, he's a three-time All-Star. He hasn't made an All-Star team since 2019, I believe. Um, he's on this massive contract that pays him 46 million 50 million 54 million 57 million for the next four years that contract i think is the number one reason why the miami heat do not have bradley beal on their team right now we'll talk about them later um so understand the criticisms to me they stared at that scenario of we could have chris paul we could have exceptions in place of Chris Paul that might get us I don't know whoever your version of like Jeff Green plus whatever is or we could turn Chris Paul into Bradley Beal flaws and all I think that scenario is clearly the best of those three scenarios and yes they'll have trouble filling out the roster they're going to need to use minimums they're going to need to use bird rights they're going to do that in very creative ways they already were in that kind of same jail the choice was made with Durant that was when the choice was made. The choice was, we're breaking up this feel-good team that made the finals two years ago. We're going all in on a top-heavy team that's going to have us in cap jail. They're already in jail. They didn't even double down on that choice. They just made the next logical leap from that choice. You hit it right on the head. I mean, once they went all in in
2: February with Durant, and when you added with Aiton's contract, you know those the three players— your your options were you basically boiled down to, you know, that's why waiving him, although that was probably, that was always the last resort. And that's why it was going to be taken up until June 28th, because that was, out of all your options, that was probably the least one you wanted to do. And you wanted to go out and, and try to use that contract to bring you back either multiple players or try to bring you back a star player. And it's a perfect storm. I mean, Bradley Beal doesn't have it. If Bradley Beal doesn't have a no trade clause, it, I think it changes. You know, I think there's certain other teams that now join the join join the fray here. Now it would be it, then it would be up to the Wizards if they feel like do we do we get, give the equity clause to Bradley Beal because he's been he's been a good soldier here, or do we do it for the best interest of the organization? It's similar what probably what's going to happen maybe in Portland with Damian Lillard here, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen because
0: of the no trade clause. Well, there's a 0% chance he's on the Phoenix Suns if he doesn't have a no-trade clause. 0%. I mean, that's the only reason the Suns are in the game. Let's talk basketball before we get into the other mechanics of this. How do you like the Suns? Now, they've got to fill out the roster. So, you know, right now they have Durant, Beal, Booker, Aiton, Payne, maybe. Wainwright, maybe. I do think that we are going to see them overpay Jock Landale. Maybe overpay Tory Craig, maybe overpay Bismack Biombo, maybe even overpay Darius Baisley or not overpay, but pay all the guys they have legit bird rights on, and it wouldn't surprise me, Mr. Marks, in an era in which starting next year, the Suns as a second apron team will only be able to take back a hundred exact salary matching in trades, like there's not going over by more than two hundred fifty k I think. They can't trade $20 million worth of salary and take back 24. They can take back 20 or less. Would not surprise me if some of those deals that I just mentioned, some of those free agents get re-signed to dollars that are going to be exact matches, the best they can project of like what the mid-level exception will be. They're going to try and finagle all sorts of things like that so they can give themselves some trade flexibility that way. So they'll have some guys on their team. Some guys will come back. Some ring chasers will come. But I want to ask you first blush, just Beal, Durant, Booker, Aiton. And I don't think they have anything imminent for Aiton. That doesn't mean they're not going to trade Aiton because similarly to what I just said, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, starting next year, not only can the Sun the Suns cannot aggregate their own players in trades. They- so they can't take a 20 and a 10. They can't take back players who are aggregated in trades, correct? That is incorrect, and I—that's incorrect. I, I said, okay, yes,
2: I put that out yesterday, and I, I talked to a bunch of teams just to get a more clarification. They—they um, they are not allowed to aggregate Aiton's money, so they can't aggregate Aiton and—they um, can't $7 trade a plus or.
0: campaign
2: for a twenty-nine million-dollar player. Yeah. So for this is for next off-season.
0: Before the yes. they are allowed to take back um, a twenty and a fifteen. Okay. So deal. so so what yes. I was going to say is so they can down the line. They they are not under a, t- an, a a a strict timeline of if I wanted to break Aiton up into th- three players via trade they can keep doing that beyond this season.
2: Yeah, they're not on that heat. The Heat timeline is different because we had talked about it where they were facing the aggregation because of Hero's money, right? Like they needed if 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 they ever if Damian Lillard say next year became available and the Heat were a second apron team they weren't allowed to add Hero and a twenty million dollar player. And aggregate that there. That's so that's a little bit of a different timeline with Aiden. There really is no timeline for him. I mean, you don't have to, you're not forced to do anything. The only timeline is that for starting July 1st, it's 110% as far as money coming back. Right now, we're still in that 125% boat. And then for um, when you're a second apron team, is that, you know, you're not taking, yeah, you're not taking money, you know, more money back in a a deal
0: there. But my point is, if they want to trade Aiton for three players... Yeah, you can do it. They will be able to do that beyond this season. Yes. So they're under no time crunch to deal Aiton like now... Correct. ...to break him up. Because they do face a fascinating decision. Because everything any team in the Western Conference does, including this trade, has to be done with an eye on the Denver Nuggets. And you need to either make a choice. Not necessarily a choice, but your choice is something like we either really care about getting a center who can guard Jokic or we invest our resources elsewhere and try to just shoot Jokic as out shoot the nuggets and make Jokic cover in space and go five out and or and then we play Jock Landell eighteen minutes a game to just rough him up. We don't we, we, we go all in on shooting, spread the floor. That's the only path we have. And that's a decision that I think Aiton is gonna be involved in because Aiton until this season had done okay on Jokic I think Jokic has reached unguardability at this point and I know you said this I agree with you the Denver Nuggets are the favorites to win the Western Conference now and almost regardless of anything else that happens in the offseason I don't think the Suns are better than them I do however think the Suns as of now enter the season as the second best team in the Western Conference um, but I, before I go all in on the basketball stuff, I want your take on the fit between the big three. And if you include eight in the big 3.5, I think we, what we saw when Chris got hurt in the, um, in the, in the playoffs
2: here, you're going to see Booker more at point, right? I, I think that's probably what the assumption is going to be that he'll probably be your, I mean, you know, based on, you know, primarily ball handler. So now that, you know, that creates, you know, with, with Bradley, you know, I know we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, certainly his health and that's going to be a big part of this year, but there was a regression in, in, in Washington the last two years. Is it a result of, you know, basically kind of a lack of point guard the last two years, you know, you basically had Monty Morris here. I mean, his numbers, you know, his catch catching shoot numbers came down a little bit here. Um, listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of firepower here and, you know, the three players even add Devin Booker to the mix here have not been durable and it's going to be, you know, as you said, it's going to be high level as far as who else, what other fits around there. But I'm fine. I'm I'm comfortable with the fit. It's 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 you know, but I just need to see kind of what else is there. My concern with Booker too, a little bit if he if he is, you know if if he, you're basically going Booker Durant Beal eight and then you know another wing is is Booker going to be chasing guards? You know points? You know. So we're a little bit of a wear and tear factor here, but at least from a, from a fit standpoint for me, it's about health and was the last two years of Beal on a decline, a, a blip
0: or is it a bigger thing? So I like the fit way more than not way more, but more than what appears to be the consensus. And again, I understand. Oh, here we go. Mid range mania. Oh, they're recreating the nets. How did that work out? Oh, Bradley Beal's three-point shot has fallen off. Oh, that's not going to be great. Oh, defense. And defense, they are going to need to find a way to be a credible defense. Um, Credible. Just credible. Just like the Nuggets found a way to be a credible defense. Credible. And Beal has been a bad defensive player now for a while. So I understand all that. I think offensively this team's going to be dynamite. And... Bradley Beal is going to be one of those guys who, if he's healthy, and he said the, it, the injuries the last few years have been like hamstringy stuff that makes you a, on one hand, nervous, on the other hand, like well now he's going to actually play for a team that has something to play for. You know, I don't know how much of those injuries were just like, eh, you know, we're we're going down the tubes anyway this year. Um, I think he's going to be one of those guys who suddenly looks awesome as a second option and a, and more pointedly a third option. And there is a clear hierarchy on this team. He is the third option, and it is not close. I think, frankly, it's Devin Booker's team. The team belongs to Devin Booker, and it should belong to Devin Booker. And they will have to sort out how to play. We saw the the chemistry was kind of scattershot. They didn't really figure out how to play off of each other. Paul, Booker, Durant last year. How to get the ball moving from side to side. When to use Durant as a screener, as a ball handler. Now they have a whole season to figure that out. I think Beal will look awesome. As a second or third option. And again, the alternative was what exactly? They turned Chris Paul into Bradley Beal. Um, Here are Bradley Beal's numbers on catch and shoot three-pointers for the last nine seasons. Percentage. 40%. This is in order from most recent to past. 40%, 30%. 39, 38, 37, 43, 42, 39, 42, 42. Those 43s and 42s were playing with John Wall. Those 43s and 42s were when his three pointers skewed catch and shoot instead of the last two or three years when they skewed pull up because the Wizards were bad and he was effectively their point guard. I think he's going to shoot the lights out. Not the light. I think he's going to shoot really well from three and the team will be a really good offensive team. And for all the clowning of like, oh, they're just recreating the KD Nets with three high usage ball handlers, the KD Nets were awesome when they played they were unstoppable and only injuries and just bleh
2: I I don't even want to get into they blew the doors off of Milwaukee in game one and two
0: like that if that's like if that's what we're saying was uh, that was a bad outcome for reasons that didn't have anything to do with basketball and they didn't even really need to be a good defensive team their offense was so good now the difference is and this is what I'm interested in The difference is this three-pronged monster does not have a passer anywhere near James Harden's level. Booker's a good passer. Beal's an okay passer who can also move off the ball. Although a lot of his off-ball movement was like dribble handoff stuff with Marcin Gortat back in the day and all that kind of stuff. But he can come off pin downs and do all that that you need. And Durant's a good passer. Harden is an all-time passer. And part of the reason that big three was so unstoppable offensively was there was a clear like, this is the guy that's going to handle the ball the most. KD will handle it the second most. Kyrie will just kind of find his points in transition. He became a good cutter. He did his Kyrie stuff. That's what I'm most interested in because if the Nets are not to be clowned as an example of what the Suns could be offensively, defensively, the Suns have a lot of questions. I do think the playmaking question and how they ring enough passing out of this is an interesting one because there is no heart in here. And by the way, the harden to phoenix thing was never a thing that was never going to be a real thing no i agree i mean i never
2: i never saw i never saw a clear path um you know for harden they also have they also have a, a trade exception too that they have access to which who knows i mean it's just another tool for them um but you're right i mean that there is a difference between these this phoenix team and and this brooklyn team is 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 the you know certainly the harden factor
0: I, I, I think the fit offensively is gonna be fine. I think people are kind of overthinking it. Now, defensively, it's gonna be def- defense, health, those are all fair questions. And the Nuggets. The nuggets the Nuggets are the Nuggets are watching this. I mean, I guarantee you, I know the Nuggets are watching this like yes, they're in the afterglow. But they're watching this like, all right, you, you guys wanna like do you guys just wanna like have no depth and no chemistry and three dudes who need and want the ball. Like, cool. We built our team pretty carefully. Uh, We like it. We're not scared one bit of you. And I actually, like, again, all, all, both these teams healthy, depending on how the sun's fill it out. the, The nuggets to me are better. They're, they're still the best team. No, I agree. I mean, and they, I mean, they played
2: together. I mean, that's the big thing. And I think, you know, The Bruce Brown decisions, which is, you know, the likelihood is that he declines that option, but he, you know, Hey, he might come back on a discount. Who knows? You know, he, he, you never know. Um, but I, yeah, I'm not ready to put, I'm not ready to put Phoenix up there ahead of, um, ahead of Denver, just because of, you know, what, what it looks like right now. I need to see what the roster looks like. I need a sample of games here. I need to see this team get healthy. Listen, for, for the playoffs, you roll this team out and you just put, you know, spare parts. I I love it. But as you said, like you got to get there, right? And you got to get there in one piece and you got to get there as a, as a, you know, as a pretty good seed also.
0: I do think the Bruce Brown thing becomes a little bit more pressing for the Nuggets now because they do need as many perimeter defenders as they can throw at these guys. And Bruce Brown's very good and particularly on the ball. And he's going to have a market at the mid-level exception for multiple years at worst, and maybe more than that. He needs to get paid. This is his time. And their only route is really to just do the Bobby Portis thing where like you sign a one plus one at whatever the most they can offer him is, which is you can probably tell me off the top of your head. It's like 120 percent. Seven, of eight, seven point eight million. Yeah. And then then you wink, wink. This is we never had this conversation, but you decline your option. And then we resigned you at, at the full early bird number.
2: How, how all of a sudden did I get Walmart stock in my my account all of a
0: sudden and in the meantime when you (laughs) when you meet with him now you're like hey man what's your favorite wine like what can we do for you you know i can get you the best table at this restaurant over here like you know pick up a dry cleaning Because at the eBay Motors, you're burning a rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Let's talk about the Heat, who were, I thought, the most logical landing place for Bradley Beal. And in the end, I think they kept their powder dry. I, I, I really think that's what... It is. You never, as you recreate and you're on the phone all night trying to figure out who was offered to when, and how were they offered? Were they offered? What's an offer? Were they actually offered? Or were they just bandied about? Um, In the end My best guess And please disagree with me If you think I'm wrong Please My best guess is They looked at Tyler Hero's contract Said okay 27 29 31 33 Beal 46 51 54 57 Beal's 7 years older than Tyler Hero Still young Tyler Hero's still so young And everyone's down on him Because the Heat made the finals without him and I think the Heat, to the best of my knowledge, looked in the mirror and said, "Is Bradley Beal thirty million dollars and seven years older better than Tyler Hero?" And if not, and if Washington doesn't want our long-term other long-term salary anyway, and Washington clearly wanted to just get this money off the books and move on, then why don't we just keep our powder dry? for the for the next wave of guys. And maybe I don't think anybody knows this for certain. I really do not think anybody knows what Damian Lillard is going to do, but maybe it's Damian Lillard in 4 days. Maybe not. I don't, again, I don't think anybody knows. But that's my best read on the Miami situation. What have you heard? No, that's that's why
2: we started to hear Victor Oladipo, Kyle Lowry, right? It went from Hero as the main guy, and then whatever else, Duncan Robinson, for example, as far as to make the money work. Um, from what I've, what I've, you know, that Miami certainly was looking to get off, to keep that Hero contract, to get off the expirings, um, it would have cost them probably the 18th pick in the draft. Um, it might have cost them something down the road. Whether it been maybe a protected future one, um, I didn't see a scenario where Miami can go get Bradley Beal, and then all of a sudden, if Damian Lillard became available, um, enough. I it, it just didn't. It oh did. no, there it, was no way it, to get both. No, no, there was no, there was you know they, they don't financially have enough, you can't. have yeah, anyway. They, they don't have enough. There's no not, not enough draft equity here, and I think for the Heat, they were hey, if it this is this is what we'll do, not including Hero, if they don't do it great. We'll just wait. And we'll kind of sit in a holding pattern. If Lillard becomes available and who knows, you know, Dame Lillard becomes available. If Dame Lillard wants to become available. Right. I mean, that's the, at the end, of, that's what, how I look at it. Um, this is what we have to offer, whether it be hero and three ones and whatever salary that, that comes with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, and I actually think in a weird way, Beal is a, is a cleaner fit in Miami. Than he is in Phoenix because Miami has the defenders to kind of prop him up on that end of the floor and they need badly another reliable ball handler who can shoot and run pick and roll with Bam who's never going anywhere I mean Bam is Bam might end up being a heat lifer um, but they, they didn't get him and as for Dame look it's smokescreen season. We talked last week about Portland's dilemma with the number three pick in the draft, right? And the idea that if they just make the pick, that well, that means Dame's out. They have to trade Dame. Dame will ask out. And the only way to keep Dame is to trade the pick. And whether whatever veteran they can get for that pick plus Anthony Simons plus whatever else they have to put in, that's the vehicle to keeping Dame. Or if there's a third path where they say, hey, look, this is a generational prospect. We got to take him. Dame, we will try to placate you by re signing Jeremy Grant, by doing X, Y, and Z in free agency, by trading Yusuf Nurkic for this person. Give us until the trade deadline. Let's see how the team is. Maybe you'll end up really liking it. We think the West is kind of open. Maybe we'll be like the fourth seed in January, February, and you'll be okay. I don't know how realistic that is. I don't know that anybody knows how realistic that is. I don't know what Damian Lillard wants. I don't know what his reaction will be on Thursday if the Blazers just take Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson and are like, hey, we're done. That's it. There's no Pascal Siakam. There's no Zion Williamson. There's no Mikael Bridges. There's no OG Ananobi. There's no whoever you want. Sorry, we just couldn't pass up this opportunity. It's better for our franchise, but stick with us. I don't know how realistic that is. Not only that, Mr. Marks, Damian Lillard doesn't have a no-trade clause. He has a lot of years left on his contract. Can my I don't know if Miami wins a trade war for Damian Lillard. They might because point guard is such a loaded position around the league because so many of the teams that are in win-now mode have already traded all their stuff. And so many of the teams that are not in total win-now mode don't want a 32-year-old point guard who's going to make $60 million in three years. They may well. Hero plus whatever plus three first. that may be all it takes. But there'll be other teams. There'll be other teams. What is your best synopsis of the lay of the land at the number 3 pick right now?
2: Well, I mean, I think the lay of the land right now is certainly it's going to be either, you know, either Miller or Scoop, but that mean that comes into there there's not a deal out there as of Monday and we still have 3 or 4 days for Portland to move off that, right? It's not and that certainly I don't know if it does change. I don't know if Zion Williamson becomes available. I don't know if Brandon Ingram becomes available. One of those, you know, one of those two players here. I think, I think you hit it right on the head that like, if you're the trailblazers, you're basically picking the best available. And then you're having that con- you're going to have that conversation with him saying, Hey, let's see where Shane Sharp looks. We're going to bring back Jeremy Grant. Let's see where what. Let's see what happens with Scoot Henderson. And then, if you want, we can move. We can go in a different direction. But as you said, like he doesn't have a no-trade clause like Bradley Beal has. The question would be, how much he's built up so much equity? Do you almost treat it that way? But here's the thing: if it came down to, all right, we're gonna make a deal. We're gonna move. Make a move. If Miami comes in, and let's say a team like Brooklyn comes in. And he wants to go to Miami, Brooklyn, second choice. And Brooklyn just says, here, you know what? We're going to give you a couple of these Phoenix picks. We'll give you that Dallas pick. We'll give you three unprotected and whatever. And that is the better offer for, for the Trailblazers. What direction do you go in? Do you take the best offer? Or you do, go, do you want to take the team that he wants to go to?
0: And I think the Brooklyn Nets, who are on my list of, uh, of Beal teams, I can find my list of Beal teams Or Dame teams Dame teams Dame teams I think they would have a frothy Internal debate About whether Going all in And I mean all in Like if you can go If you can get them half in That's a different story But all in For Damian Lillard you pair him with Mikhail Bridges and Nick Claxton and Cam Johnson, whatever's left over. I don't know what goes out. If it's all picks and young players, whatever. So, presumably somebody who's not Mikhail Bridges but is also good is going out in that trade. Just for salary reasons, if nothing else. Well, I don't even want to say the name Ben Simmons. I just can we just not do the shirt I know everyone's making fun of it, but it's true. Can we just not do the shirtless Instagram posts? Like just nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody's nobody's convinced. Nobody's convinced. Um like I think they would have a real internal debate like is that is that a smart move or or having pivoted from this era of disaster and accumulated so many picks can we can we slow go it a little bit I think that would be a big internal debate as for the number 3 pick I I don't know I don't know what Portland is going to do The Zion noise is so all over the place that I I've just kind of – have in the mode where I've talked to a million people and I've just given up trying to figure out, like, are they actually maybe going to trade him? Are they not going to trade him? I, I, I know Gavoni said his indication was no. I've heard that same stuff, but then there's all this other buzz going on. I, I have no idea what's going on anymore. I have no idea what Toronto is going to do. You know, um, I wouldn't turn my nose up at Pascal Siakam, though. That dude's good. He's got to get paid a lot of money, but he's good. And I think he can play with Jeremy Grant oh, and an Obi. He's a good player. Everyone keeps waiting for him to get great. It hasn't happened yet. Bridges. That's a hand and glove fit. Those are all good players. I just don't I don't know. Zion is I don't even know how to value Zion. Like, is he more val Zion playing sixty games a year, forget eighty. Sixty is like far and away more valuable than the number three pick. It's not close. Zion now, I don't even know how to value him. He's played 25 games a year for 4 years. I, I don't know how to project him. I don't have access to his medical records. If I'm trading for him, I'll maybe I'll get that at the last minute. I, I just don't even know what to do with that. I don't know what's the, it's just chaos right now.
2: Well, I mean, I yeah, I mean, how you value him is that you're basically it's a, it's a gut it's a gut decision, right? It's a gut decision based on what you Ooh. saw in the 114 games. It's a gut decision based on what you saw in November, December when he played and he was top five probably in the league at that, you know, at when he played. Um, Yeah. We've talked It's I, as I, and I I said this, I said it this morning and I, and I said it, I've said it the last couple of days here. Like I'm for me, I'm not concerned about the contract, right? Like I'm not concerned. Like, Oh my God, we got $194 million and this guy doesn't play because there's so much in we've talked about, there's so much stipulations in there. Right. I mean, there's got, it's, it's one of the great NFL type contracts where if a team had to get out of it they eventually could down the road um but what does that say when you just traded a number three pick for it right yeah, it's, like, the oppor-
0: it's the opportunity
2: yeah, cost yeah it's the opportunity cost here um but yeah it is a man you better have some conviction that this guy is going to be out there if you're going to go in that direction siakam for me is intriguing and i don't like I think if you get if you flipped him for three, you get him there. Him being on an expiring, I think you can. In Lillard, it is there. That, that's a guy that I'm. I would be comfortable, you know, certainly resigning. Um, you know, there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, three's got value. It's just a matter of like who's that? Who's going to be that guy that you would actually move it for?
0: Yeah, there's so much noise now that I can no longer figure out with any certainty what is going to happen and what Damian Lillard will say if the Blazers just keep the pick or where he would even want to go.
2: Well, he said it. I mean, like, you know, I I think we talked about it. Like when he did did. that interview, like he, he said it, like it's always, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Right. So it's a matter of like who is coming back and what that roster looks like. And if it was, you know, certainly if it was in the, you know if it's if if it's brooklyn let's say and it's just a pick package right it's a pick package and it includes like ex, a bunch of expirings um just to get off his money that maybe is more appealing same with miami if it's i mean we already talked about it. it's hero here so that's the other factor in it is that and but he does as we said he doesn't have a no trade
0: i'll tell you lillard butler bam would scare the crap out of me if I were any team in the Eastern Conference. Scare the now the Heat are going to have to pay a ginormous tax bill, no exceptions, the whole thing. You know, see if they can hang on to Caleb Martin in that kind of transaction, but that big 3 is a real big 3 as a scary big 3. Um the Knicks have all the goods to make any of these deals. And I think they 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 sniffed around Beal for sure. I don't know what 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 did you hear about how involved the Knicks were with Beal?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, considering that they have their pick, right? I think that was something that would have been in play. Um, They have the Wizards pick that's protected. Um, They, for them, it's just it's a matter of like it's a it's certainly a cost issue when you've got quickly coming up. um, You know, you still have um eventually you're going to probably extend brunson down the road when um when when Beale's making 53 57 million dollars here but i think if there was a if from their perspective if there was a low risk move and we didn't have to give up everything you know we go out and do it but now the thing is that all these picks that they have whether it be their own um in the future and they've got um uh a milwaukee pick that's protected the wizards pick probably is now has is the least valuable out of these picks here i don't know i don't think that probably conveys at all um
0: and you're going to wind up turning it into a second i didn't get this and again there's just so much noise around all this i didn't get the sense that the knicks were like really in the derby at the end and again it's a derby that bradley beal controls so that at the end there's only one team in it and it's the team he picks I don't know what the Knicks would have given up. I don't know the exact price. And they weren't in it enough for me to really dig so hard into that. I honestly think Brunson is so good that I wouldn't go hard for Beal. And I wouldn't go hard for Lillard. Like, I don't really get the New York Lillard thing. Like, Brunson is good enough. The last time we saw him, he was scoring 40 points on a bum ankle against the Heat in the playoffs. Like, every game, it seemed like. I'm just... I got my chips. I like my team. I think we're a good team, playoff team, solid team. I'm saving my chips for other stuff. I don't know. I've, we look. I'm not going to go through all the names. I just guard. Small guard is not the place I'm going. If if and I don't feel the need to like upgrade from Jalen Brunson at cost. If like you're talking about a Brunson for like I just I'm fine the way they are. There's always going to be somebody else. There's always
2: going to be. and <clears throat> Right now it's
0: it's Beal. And maybe
2: Lillard and eventually it's going to be somebody else and it might be somebody better. And that's how you have to look at it where you may. It's like, you know, it's like going Christmas shopping, right? You want all the toys, but eventually there's going to be, there's going to be a better toy next year. When I
0: was at the combine in Chicago, Doc Rivers got fired and I wrote the night of the lottery. There was already buzz going around that that had flipped, not flipped, but changed the equation in James Harden's calculus about like, well, maybe the noise was already starting. Like, okay, pump the brakes a little bit on the Houston thing. The brakes have now been pumped, like slammed on around the league um, to the point that I bet if you pulled 50 front office executives, a majority of them would guess he's going back to Philly. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. We'll see. I mean, who the hell knows? But if James Harden goes back to Philly – I don't even know if this is feasible. Would you at least call Portland and say Harris and Maxi? Do they even have a pick? I think 2030. I mean, is Maxi? I guess there's a two-prong question here. Is Maxi already too good for Philly to move for a 30-something guard when they already have another 30-something guard and defense is going to be a problem with any lillard Harden combo? Or flip it around, is Maxi the best thing Portland might get offered among all the deals we're talking about for Lillard? If Lillard indeed, and again, we don't know exactly, we don't know what he's going to do. That's an interesting one to me. I don't even know if it would work on it, either it's side. Almost,
2: it's almost like the Gildress Alexander trade for Paul George without the picks, almost. like That kind of like young player, rookie contract, um, you're going to have to pay him maxi he's not Soon. making he's, yeah he's he's up this uh he's extension eligible this offseason he's restrictive free agent next offseason so eventually you are going to have to pay him and that's that's what you, i mean those are your cards right that's all that, that's what your cards are
0: right now i mean i i said last week i wouldn't there's no way you put him in a deal deal this but dame's a different dame with harden coming back is a different conversation um i don't i haven't thought Everyone loves the Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard deal. Everyone, the media loves to speculate about that one. I haven't thought so hard about that one because I understand Jalen Brown's now extension eligible. We have, we, Boston knows more internally about what he wants and he has agency in this whole process. Um, I just have never loved the idea of that trade for Boston. I just don't like trading a guy who's... Like, Jalen Brown has his warts, and he was, like, borderline all NBA. I had him in at the end because of injuries to other players. But he's still 25 or 26 or whatever he is. I don't, I don't I don't know if that's the deal that catapults me if I'm Boston, like, past my issues. That Now, maybe it is, because while all my issues are offensive execution, and this guy's an all-time crunch time killer. But I just... That one... Has never felt great to me from the Celtics' perspective. Now it's it never felt as great. Everyone loves to just boom done, clean it up. Well, I don't I don't love it. I don't even love it from Portland's perspective that much, honestly.
2: No, because it's not. I mean, if, what else is there? Anything else coming with him? I think if I think if you're Portland, if if he ever, you know, if he ever was moved, I think it's it's got to be almost like, I guess cons- comparable to what the Jazz went through, where you're kind of trying to reset in the middle, where you're getting a player on a D de- and a good contract, whether it been in the case of whether it was marketing there and then you're getting the picks, right? You're getting the three or four, um, you know, unprotected ones.
0: Um, I, speaking of agency and player agency, I do want to talk about the Bartlestein connection, um, between Mark Bartlestein, the agent and Josh Bartlestein, who's the CEO of the sons. I think that's his title. CEO of the sons. Yeah. Father, son. Josh is the son. I think that connection absolutely helped grease the wheels for this trade. Like, that's just how the business works. Human connections. Sometimes it's, most of the time, it's GMs who like each other and have had beers together or used to work on the same team. And now they've ascended to be GMs. They talk. There's no question it helped. But this whole, like, I I saw this whole thing when I would pop in on Twitter about how, oh, here we go. The Bartlesteins are colluding to manipulate Bradley Beal to go to the Suns. I'm like, dude, Bradley Beal is going to go with like, don't reduce Bradley Beal to like a pawn in some agent and Sun game. Bradley Beal has been in the league a long time. He's very, very smart. He's going to pick where he wants to go. He's not going to be like, oh, I'm I'm You guys want me to go here? I'll go here. Like I didn't. That's not how this happened. Bradley Beal was recruited by the Suns. Wanted to go to the Suns and picked the Suns because that's where he wanted to be. I didn't like. I the connection clearly helped. It helped start the conversation and get it going. But it. it I didn't like how it was framed in some corners.
2: No, you're right. I mean, the connection definitely helped. No, now. it it would be a bigger issue and it would be collusion if Bradley Beal did not have a no trade clause and a team like Miami or Brooklyn or New York came in in with a whopping offer, right? Just said like, we're going to give you three ones and young players and Phoenix said, you know what? Or Washington said, you know what? We're going to do it to the team that's got second round picks and expiring contracts. Then that would raise the red flag. It just wasn't. It just wasn't the case
0: here. It, it, and, and, the the it, no the no trade clause is the whole thing. It's the it, whole thing, and it's a disaster for the wizards. They're five years late. At three years late at minimum, trading Bradley Beal. Three to begin years with. late. The, the no three, trade three clause is
2: late. the is the whole thing. Yeah, three years late on this, and I understood why. They re-signed him last year. I did not understand, certainly, the no trade because you were giving him 50 more than another team and to add that in there. And we knew there was eventually going to be a day when we were going to be faced with this because I just never saw the the writing on the wall where
0: this was going to be a 50-win team. I saw the vomit on the wall. (laughs) Can I tell you something else while we're here that grinds my gears? Totally unrelated to any of this. I'm gonna get into this more later. I'm gonna monitor. I'm gonna monitor the landscape. I haven't liked how. I haven't liked this. I got a bone to pick with Perk specifically. Oh, here we go. And I picked it with him on TV last week. But you want Can I tell
2: you a funny story before sure. you get into yours? So my ki- my my fourteen year old. I went to go pick them up. Him and his buddies up. They were at a party. Oh boy. And oh no. boy. So listen the. Listen, we we uh, we had the whole discussion with my wife. Laid the, she said she laid it all out. There was like, here's here's your one chance. And it was a party where other school school like different schools, you know, wasn't just his. So I picked him, him and his buddies up from a party, and we're driving home, and they're and they're all in the back seat, and they're like, Mister Marks, do you know Kendrick Perkins? And I was like, I do. They're like, can we ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. They're like, why is he such a bleep? on nba 2k why is he such a jerk so i said i don't know it's a good question so when we were out in la doing um nba today cooper my 14 saw perk in the hallway he said hey perk he's in perk w- w- what's up little man he says why are you such a jerk on nba 2k <laughs> and Perk looked at him like what
0: he's like what are you talking about and yeah that's uh so is, is he a commentator in nba 2k he's, and he's a hater to the players he's a hater but this goes beyond <laughs> perk i've seen this i've seen this pop up in several media places so so here's what's happened in the past two weeks uh Nikola Jokic was the best player on the championship team um two years after Giannis was the best player in the championship team John Morant was suspended 25 games for waving a gun on Instagram after waving a gun on Instagram live before. Why anybody has Instagram live is goddamn beyond me. And Zion Williamson was um, embroiled in some off-court drama that I don't want to get further into because it's rated NC-17. And so now I've seen this propagated in a few places how – and Perk said it. Out loud on TV. I know where you're going with this. If you, if you want to if, if yep. build a team, he said something like, look for – and Alan Hahn echoed it on Get Up. Look for international players. This is a bad moment for American players. Look for international players. And I'm like, dude, this is – we've now done the 180 so fast on on all of this. And I don't – I haven't – I just am uncomfortable. Like I've, I pivoted so fast away from that on NBA today when Perk brought it up. Because, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Jokic is unbelievable. I've been on Jokic since he came into the league. Giannis is unbelievable. Um, Perk brought up Embiid, like, okay, Embiid hasn't, like, gotten it done in the playoffs to the degree that the other guys have as an international guy. Um, I'm not reading anything in from Morant and Zion to, like, oh, I got to look at international guys. I think there are interesting issues in What it's like for an international player who starts playing professionally at a younger age versus coming up in AU here. I think that's a worthy area to investigate. But, like, Steph Curry won the championship two years ago. LeBron was the most dominant force in the league for 20 years. Kevin Durant has been, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant now. Like, if this thing fails in Phoenix, you know... I mean, Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. Chris Paul's out. Monty Williams is out. Like, they got to win here. But, like, he's one of the greatest, 20 greatest players of all time. Like, I just don't – I don't like where that's headed. And I felt like the train got out of the station last week and began accelerating, and it's going to keep accelerating. And if I were Devin Booker or Jason Tatum or some of those – some other American players who are younger, I'd be like, wait a second, what's, what are people saying? If I'm Damian Lillard, I'm saying, wait, what are people saying? didn't like it.
2: the the other thing it, it, since we're talking about that that bothered me a little bit was is that well they just need a change of scenery wait wait a minute what do you mean you just you don't think you you don't think the issues that John Moran had in Memphis wouldn't pop up somewhere else if he's if he doesn't face that square on or with Zion and New Orleans if you know from a health standpoint so yeah I agree with you on the um I saw that, it rubbed me the wrong way. The international, you know, part that um you know, if I was an Amer as you said, if I was an American booker Durant one of these players, that that certainly would bother me also.
0: Uh, while we're here, what did you think of John Morant getting suspended for twenty five games?
2: I thought that's what it was gonna be. I, I just I never like I, I went on um the, i went into the dark spot the dark place on twitter and people were like i i actually went in and read comments when i uh i think i might have said something about i guess it was just maybe how much he got fined and people were like oh it should have been 50 just you know should have been a year i was like Well, you know like i thought if it was 50 that he would have definitely filed the grievance and that probably would have been reduced to 25 i think the league thought that as a sweet spot." Um, We'll see if he files a grievance. I thought it was going to be that number. Brown um, Gilbert Serena, Gilbert Arenas was fifty games because they basically had a gun, the like a like a an old like Western like gun draw in the locker room. Like that was a little bit different than than what this was.
0: Yeah, I actually. So I was setting the over under at twenty and a half, and I was taking the over, but under thirty and a half. We were having. This was one of the debates we had over drinks during the finals one night. So it was not unexpected. I will say it, it's, it's interesting, and the NBA got into this in, in their statement to some degree. If you go back and look at gun-related suspensions, Arenas is a totally different thing. That's in the locker room. That's guns in the facility. Totally, that, that's just over here. Steven Jackson shot a gun outside a strip club. Seven games. Raymond Felton brandished, a, I think, a semi-automatic weapon in a in a domestic dispute. Four games. Now those cases were adjudicated; those were criminal cases. Both of both Raymond Felton and Stephen Jackson pleaded guilty um, to like lesser charges, I think, than they were initially charged with. And, but those are real things: seven games and four games under David Stern. So I I do think it's fair to ask, like, well, John Morant didn't. Doesn't appear to have violated any criminal laws in any of these cases. Twenty five games, I think it's a lot. What's the explanation? And I think the NBA got into it somewhat in its statement. And the explanation I think is a repeat offense. Well, Stephen Jackson had done some the malice in the palace. It's not a gun offense, but it's something. Um, but repeat offense and repeat like the same thing after being penalized and uh, expressing contrition which clearly was not all the way real. Um, I think the fact that it's on video is a distinct thing in this day and age. Just, it just, we all see it. it. We see how it looks. I don't know what the new information. Remember Adam Silver said like, well, we've uncovered some new information. Yeah, I don't I know. Actually, if the- and I actually thought that was going to go the other way. Like, was it a toy gun?
2: Was there something, you know, was it maybe but not? What, what, what was know? the new info? I guess the I, don't new information I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was.
0: I guess what was alluded to in the in the press release was, um, I, that he was aware that he was on that he was being recorded, and I guess the gun was the gun the gun was real. I, I, is that all the new information that was recovered? Um, like, I think the number, no, yeah, I think be. the number is fair-ish. I just, if I were John Morant's representatives and the Grizzlies, I would I would actually just want a meeting with the NBA. Like, can you give me a little more about why? 25 games but I don't I don't think it's outlandish I also just don't like everyone's like how does this affect the Grizzlies I'm like I don't don't know the Grizzlies have played pretty goddamn well without John Moran it's 25 games chances are they'll be like 500 maybe a couple games over a couple games under a few games over whatever and if he comes back and this is water under the bridge you just keep building your team if it's not water under the bridge if it's a recurring issue then your whole franchise is a little screwed up the only way I think it, w- it would affect the
2: Grizzlies would be if they looked at Tyus Jones as that trade asset to how to f- how to kind of find a small forward out there. And now with this, now does does Tyus not you know come off? Would he come off the table in any deal? Because you like who's playing guard for you? Like that would be really the only from a I guess from a trade standpoint, roster
0: building standpoint. They've always taken the long view. I don't see why they would change now, even if it means really taking a step back at guard for the first 25 games we'll see uh let's finish with chris paul chris paul probably doesn't want to play for the wizards chris paul's family's on the west coast and he wants to win any place that chris paul goes if if he's ever presented with some options i don't know if he will be there will be a lot of boxes to check but the two most important ones will be winning and proximity to his family um Chris Paul is thirty point eight million dollar salary is now either mostly or all guaranteed, depending on the specifics of this trade. At least is not, twenty-five is guaranteed. Which is not which is not all the way official yet. The Wizards could still, whatever it ends up being, the Wizards could just wave him and say, We're done. We're not stretching we're just waving you. Here's all your money. You're a free agent. You'll clear waivers. You can sign wherever you want. In which case the whole league becomes um available to him to some degree. Um The Clippers, I believe. Can they even offer the non-tax mid-level? No, they just have the vet minimum. So, if he wants to go to the Clippers, and if the Clippers want him, their choices are vet minimum. His choices/slash their choices are a vet minimum or trade. Yeah. Um, at his full salary number, and the Clippers certainly have a number of salaries they can aggregate. They got a bunch of ex- yeah, they got a bunch of expiring, which mean- they which they won't be able to do aggregate in a year. Uh the Lakers though could offer at least a non tax mid level.
2: Yeah, they've got twelve two. I think the the big question with the with with Chris is if it if it is a um if it's a buyout, is there you know, is there significance basically whatever you earn somewhere else, like you're not gonna double dip. And even if there wasn't, um, there's going to be some type of, you know, he'll still make he'll make some money off it, but there'll be some set off.
0: I mean the Clippers is poetry, right? Like that's that's the one that I know he's expressed that he wants to play with LeBron. So they're friends. They've they've always dreamed of playing together, and the fit there is interesting. It gives them an alternative to paying D'Angelo Russell. The Clippers, it it's a great fit, and they have multiple ways to do it. It's a West Coast team near his family. Makes a lot of sense. Any other crisp I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers are the obvious ones. Are there any other ones that you have that, thought about?
2: No, that that's that's what I would see it from uh, from his perspective and from you know we've talked we've heard certainly the clippers would they would you trade for him and when you trade for him you basically have to give up some type of com- combination of probably marcus morris Batum, covington that group two out of those three players probably it would probably cost you a second round pick and if yeah, i've he's heard, just I've going, heard people
0: could... like throw out terrence Mann's name it, no uh, yeah
2: <laughs> delete, delete, <laughs> delete that one they man. weren't even going to put him in the what there was a deal during the year I don't know. There was some type of deal that I heard. He No, like he might be your, like, you know, he's your emergency point guard. If you know, certainly, and he's a good player and he's on a great contract here, but yeah, that would be, so that's why, what, what is the benefit of trading for him? And you probably have to give up something also um, where he he just goes through, because he's not going to be able to get, no, there's nobody out there to claim him and he'll just go through, um, through waivers and, he can sign there for the vet minimum.
0: Well, but, but the point is, what's his, his vet minimum is almost like, what, like three and a three. half?
2: Yeah, it's like three and change. Yeah.
0: It, but if I've got to compete with a team that's offering him 12. Oh, yeah. That's then I'm difference. at a significant sure. disadvantage.
2: Yep. But getting that full amount helps. <laughs> He's not getting 15-8. So that certainly, uh, that's that's true. certainly helps now.
0: You're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't end up mattering. Uh, of the teams that have been, here are some teams that have been bandied about in the public sphere of the media Spurs doesn't check the winning box. It's interesting. I, I may I would be surprised Milwaukee. That's something the bucks have thought about before with Chris.
1: They
0: they haven't gotten too serious about it in the past. We'll see Boston, the endless need for someone to run the offense in crunch time. Maybe Boston's got a lot of guards. Lot of guards, East Coast, far from his family. Checks the winning box, checks the, as do the Bucks. I thought about, you know, I asked some people last night, like, would he ever want to go to Memphis and be the veteran mentor that this team, who's not going to have its point guard for the first twenty-five games of the season, so badly needs. Didn't get a lot of good feedback on that one. Kind of like the fit, but it's far. I mean, but Memphis is basically an Eastern Conference team geographically the one I wouldn't there are two I wouldn't totally rule out Houston just because he's familiar with it and they're going to have money don't think it ends up happening just wouldn't rule it out what if Miami doesn't get Lillard why wouldn't they try some way or another to get Chris Paul
2: that's a great point I mean it's a you know I mean and we'll see what happens with Gabe Vincent who's Certainly going to be desirable, but that's 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 certainly worth making the phone call.
0: We got we got three days before the draft.
2: I know I'm already in like free agency mode. I you know what I'm not, and I I feel like I need to go to training camp for free agency and like the you know, like the off season. like during the whole Beal stuff. I missed a couple things yesterday, and I was like, I need like a camp like a 3 day of like just 9 trades in a day to
0: get me conditioned to kind of where we are well but but everybody does the CBA isn't done teams don't have the CBA it's June 19th we're all going off a term sheet yeah,
2: that has that's some very it, that's very bland. It, there's not like when this when the CBA it's not is exciting,
0: rich, it's not exciting. So it's not a page turner.
2: Well, the CBA is like Greek mythology. You know, like I want ex- I need examples. Like when I send you guys notes, I have to put examples there to help like people like understand it better here. But no, this the term sheet and that's where the aggregate rule is not as, you know, certainly defined. But no, we're. We don't have a CBA, uh, written we have new rules coming out. I have fancy graphics that came out last night on the
0: apron. Everyone go out and, and look at it. And, and that's and, son's apron. They need to make that. That's right. I will buy it and I will post a photo of myself grilling bad we, hamburgers. You know what we should in the do apron. we just change the second
2: apron to the Ishbia.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> Guys already held the ball in the front row and caused a fracas, um, now we're going to name something after him um well i mean the durant trade was made before the second apron was was something that anyone knew about the second apron is is not going to be a hard hard cap clearly phoenix has just punched a hole through it but it's going to operate similarly to one for most teams and the, the suns didn't really know that that was coming when they made this trade for durant um to just to highlight the uncertainty that people are operating under here then there's this whole frozen draft pick rule that people are just like, wait, what happens? My draft pick gets frozen, I, said, I can't said on trade the video, it, then it goes to the back somehow? I, I said on the video
2: when I did on uh, YouTube and Dave McMenamin quote tweeted, and he's like, I love like drunk Bobby Marks tr- doing trade. I wasn't drunk, but like my delirious. And I said, 2032. I go, we might all be dead by then. Who the hell knows? There might hey, be like dinosaurs right here.
0: I'm telling you right now. I'm going to Vegas next month. I might resurrect the drinking little Post podcast. Not sure who the cast will be, if it's going to be the original cast or not. I don't know who's going to be where, but uh, it's it's time to resurrect that thing. Then you just don't know what's going to happen. There was there was one time we did that podcast. It was the one we did at the bar with the freaking parrots chirping in the background where I was on beer pint three and I, I started saying something and I was like, this actually is probably shouldn't be said. I I was still good enough to just be like, you know what? No. All right, Bobby Marks, you got to go. You're in Bristol all week. We're going to see you I'll, on the I'll airwaves be in Bristol
2: till tomorrow. I'll be in Brooklyn for the draft, and then back to Bristol on Friday for free agency. And yes, you'll see me all week.
0: Boy, oh boy, Bobby Marks, hard man. I packed man. a lot of shoes. A lot of shoes. Shoes take up a lot of. Sp- anyway, okay, Bobby Marks, we'll see you on ESPN. Off season guides for all thirty teams are up. If you want to learn what the new CBA is going to be like, follow Bobby Marks on Twitter. Thank you, sir. Hey, buddy. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's dot com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's dot com slash gift finder. You can now stream the most MLB games on Direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there? Whether it's roofers, Santa. Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, I'm super excited to welcome in our next guest. I, he needs absolutely no introduction from Meadowlark Media, the host of the Dan Lebetard Show with Stu Gatz and a whole just endless band of merry people, including a very cranky Mike Ryan the other day. Dan Lebitard, how are you, sir? Uh,
1: I would be better if the endless band of people that I have uh, wasn't quite so cranky. I would be better, but uh, generally okay. So thank you for asking, Zach. So
0: I wanted you on because obviously we're celebrating the Nuggets. We're, we're both celebrating the Nuggets and looking ahead to the NBA offseason. We already had a huge trade. I have caught a, a decent portion of your shows the last couple of weeks during the Heat playoff run because I know how you are Miami and the Heat are doing this thing, this thing from the play-in to the finals. And there were two snippets of yours that I just adored as a consumer of sports. The first was almost rooting for the Celtics to make the conference finals interesting because the agony and the stress is part of it. And without that, it's not even fun. And I think you were actually rooting for a Game 7. And the second, and the one I want to start with, was your kind of... You know, I think you're in your 50s now. You said you're, you're going through some real stuff. I'm in my mid 40s. We're going through some real stuff, parents, all that stuff, and just sort of thanking the Heat for the experience of getting all the way to the finals. Yeah, they lost four one, and 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 being okay with not winning because the experience and the journey and the stress and the ups and downs is is just it's all part of it, and it really is it. And I wondered if you might elaborate on that a little bit because I absolutely love that.
1: I got into this because I wanted to celebrate sports. When I say this, I mean, this is a career. I watched my father every day have dinner at a dinner table where he was complaining about work. And I said to myself, I want to have something in my life that doesn't feel like that when I go to work. And as I see a total coarsening of how we cover this stuff where there is one winner and everyone else is a loser we call them losers because you only get one winner every year and the critic always gets to win because you've got plenty to choose from on who's a choker and who failed and almost every discussion in either sports debate television or social media through this coarsening is find me the person that I can criticize. I was just grateful for the blessed distraction of the unexpected. The surprise to me is the best thing in sports. And the idea that a team that I didn't expect to do anything because it was one of the worst shooting teams in the league and one of the worst offensive teams in the league, for them to mow down a Giannis, I would have preferred to see against Denver in the final. For them to mow down the Boston Celtics, is not something that I'm going to get distracted by the punctuation. When the statement before it was two months long and the punctuation is just a dot at the end, I'm not going to obsess about the dot. I understand why people do it, and I understand why second place isn't good enough for many, but I just enjoyed the blessed distraction as too many people get caught up with their identities and an unreasonable perspective when it comes to sports. I just enjoyed uh, what it is that we had instead of lamenting that it ended.
0: When I messaged you about coming on to talk about this, I I said, you know, as someone who's been around the heat when they were playing the Knicks a little bit, when they were playing the Celtics and in the finals, and watching the finals slip away from them, and seeing their people every day when they were down 2-1, down 3-1, down 4-1, I got the sense that although they were devastated by not winning, that they looked at it just like you did, which we wouldn't expect from, I mean, Riley is there's winning and there's misery, I don't – I wonder if – I mean, I don't know Pat Riley. I don't talk to Pat Riley now. I wonder if he even really stands by that anymore because I got the sense, unspoken mostly, some spoken from Spo, from the coaches, from Andy Ellisberg, that there's winning and there's losing, but there's pride also. And I think that even as they felt the finals slipping away from them, they were very proud at what they had done. And they look at it this season as a rousing success. Have you gotten a chance to speak to any of them about that?
1: I've talked to a lot of them to know that they know it was an amazing and rare run. I would say to you, however, that Pat Riley uh, is devoid of this particular perspective. (laughs) I would say that Pat Riley is immune to the idea that you will be able to change his mind on there is winning and there is misery. You will not be able to change his mind on that. Uh, He doesn't have to be doing this anymore, Zach. He has on his phone a, uh, a bunch of cameras that allow him to check in on the Malibu vacation house that he never gets to get to because he's down here in the cave at close to 80 years old, tied up in uh, this thing, making him feel more alive. Uh, I will say that one of the things that buoys him is he enjoys sitting in Boston in game seven and being pelted by everybody. He enjoys being in Milwaukee uh, more than he enjoys being at home, surrounded by support because he's a lunatic. He's a crazy person about competition. Uh, Still doesn't talk to Michael Jordan and Larry Bird because of what happened 40 years ago. So perspective eludes him, but I will say others in the organization We're amazed by that because it was almost totally unexpected. Once you go in, I mean, you know, Zach, I don't need to explain the history of this to you. Eight seeds don't do that for a lot of people to be picking the heat and get caught in the idea of making arguments. Well, Spo and Riley have a magic toolbox that's going to allow them to dismantle this giant unprecedented person. And they played him better than anyone did in the playoffs. They defended the Nuggets a good deal better than anyone else but at the end of all of it denver still had a guy better than anybody that they had
0: there's nothing in sports like the experience of loving a team and watching them all the time and i haven't had that experience since the new york mets of my childhood into my into my mid to late 20s and i always tell people like when you live it when you're watching every game and the team gets good and you're invested in it you learn Just all the quirks of the players like I can still close my eyes and see Ray Ardonia's pick slide sliding and picking up a ground ball and the way John Alderud would take his helmet off between pitches and you grow to love all their little quirks and read into them. So as as someone who watched this team, what from this playoff run are you are you going to going to remember?
1: It's an elevated state of living, Zach. Anyone listening to this, okay? They may indeed tell me that the best day of their lives was the day that their children were born, but I doubt that they were screaming at a television or jumping up and down in the delivery room the way that they do in the fourth quarter uh, of a game because sports has a weird grip on the people who care about it so that you still do remember that stuff that imprinted your childhood. What I'll remember is that it is as big a surprise as I have ever seen in sports in this town. Uh, I was making the argument that this one would have felt better than any of the titles with uh, LeBron or any of the titles the Heat had, just because, as I mentioned earlier, I believe that the greatest thing in sports is the surprise. You're telling me about the confidence a fan gets watching their team get good. I'll tell you when I've seen the heat get good because I didn't see it at any point during the, during the regular season. I don't believe that that was a great basketball team. I believe that that was a basketball team that needed some of the things that you need luck and a healthy Jimmy Butler for the first 10 games uh, where he was normal and, or, or abnormal, I would say super heroic over 10 games. the The surprise is just to me, the, the coolest thing and being delighted by a team that you did not expect anything from, because I didn't, uh, Zach, I, I watched the team all year. I'm still expecting them to lose to Giannis. I'm still expecting the Milwaukee bucks to rally in that series, because that made no sense to me that they would, they would do it easily there that up until the last few games at Boston, the whole thing was easy for them. They, they, never, they never trailed in a series uh, at, any, at any point before getting to the finals. That, that's just lunacy. You know the history of the sport. You know how infrequently you see anything like that.
0: The the euphoria you're describing, not to sidetrack this about the Mets, but I, I cared way too deeply about the Mets. I, I can't anymore because I don't follow them. You remember they traded for Mike Piazza from the Marlins. Um and my favorite player on the Mets at that time was Todd Hundley, who played Mike Piazza's position. And so I was super excited about getting Mike Piazza. It's Mike Piazza. But I was like, oh, man, this is going to stink for Todd Hundley. And they tried him at first base, I believe. They tried him in the outfield. It was a disaster. There was one game in September of that year in Houston, who was good, where the Piazza hit, I think, a three-run homer in the top of the ninth off Billy Wagner to send the game into extra innings. And Todd Hundley, I don't know if he was pinch hitting or what, I can't remember, hit a solo homer and extra innings to win the game. And I was home from college in my childhood home. My sister was out with her friends because she's cooler than me. My mom and dad were sleeping. And because it was Hundley, I like literally ran around the entire house up and down the stairs screaming. As I'm doing it, I'm aware how stupid this is. But it just, it just took me away. It just, I, like, I will always remember that game. And it was a regular season game. It, but that's that's what it does.
1: I want to salute you for covering more intensively Mets games from twenty years ago than anyone <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> industry. Uh, but what you speak of, I have seen inside of my own family, where I have my father. Gabe Vincent has been his favorite player just because he's tiny hustler and his story's crazy. I've seen my father fall in love with Gabe Vincent that way. And I've seen my mother not want to trade for Lillard or Beal because she doesn't want to disrupt the magic of this. And I recognize it because I heard all the people arguing on behalf of a 42 and 40 heat team that had Bryant, Grant, Lamar Odom and Dwayne Wade on it because they didn't want Shaquille O'Neal. They wanted to keep that lovable little team that again was two games over 500 uh, because they'd fallen in love with the grittiness of it how can you not love, Zach? Wherever it is that your cynicisms lie about professional sports, I'm perpetually amazed by athletes. I uh, marvel at them, and so I don't spend a lot of time on the cynical side of this. But how can you not marvel at the idea of falling in love and having your identity tied up in a team that has half of its players undrafted, half of its players anybody could have had, anybody uh in in basketball could have chosen them in the draft that does the measurement on skills and all of them were unwanted like that's a that's a pretty easy thing to to fall in love with jimmy butler's style of play going and trying to get 15 free throws a game um you you saw you saw a team care uh i think one of the criticisms of Jokic, the only one that i could file is that it appears joyless what he's doing. And the customer wants the athlete to feel some of the same things so that that connection could grow. You could tell how much that he cared. It was obvious.
0: So um, the undrafted thing, I will just tell you that as this run happened, it wasn't just fans who were captured by this. I've had conversations with front office executives all across the NBA who are all asking in internal meetings, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from how the Heat did this to be this mediocre team in the regular season and do this in the playoffs? Are there lessons in team building? Are there lessons in where the NBA is going in terms of parity um, that we need to download from this? The entire league was not studying the Nuggets because everybody knows what the Nuggets did and how they were built and what this, what this player is, Jokic. They were studying the Heat for like, what is it their decision-making apparatus? Is it their commitment to Spolster? It was cool to talk... And it was a legitimate mystery, and you can talk to 10 front off, ten GMs, and one would say it was all luck, one would say if Giannis doesn't get hurt, they're out, and then five would say they've got something there that they're doing right that we need to emulate. It was very interesting to have that discussion with people.
1: I don't know the answer. I suppose some of it can be mystery, but if you're willing to believe that Pat Riley is a magician in this respect, Zach, because I if the game were going to pass someone by, the blueprint of how you would draw that up is someone near 80 watching the game go from two-pointers to three-pointers when he always scored with Kareem and Patrick Ewing. Like, if you weren't going to be able to evolve with the modern times, that would look like. So it look a lot like that. If I extrapolate that and tell you, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry missed a bunch of personal time the last couple of years, and at no time in Riley's career was that okay. You can't – whatever's going on at home, there's not missing for personal time. That is not a thing. If one of the evolutions here – and I don't know if this is so, but you can conjure whatever magic you want when a team wins like that – What if in the age of load management, the old dinosaur uh, was just gearing his team for a playoff run all season? What if the organization is aligned with the player on the idea of it's not just going to be load management scientifically per player. It's going to be team wide so that what happened last year when the the wheels totally fell off against the celtics uh doesn't happen again that we're training scientifically zach you've been in that place it's a military silo it's a military school for millionaires is what that place is and so if the science of what it is that they were doing was to build it so it would run most efficiently and suddenly they'd be able to shoot in in the playoffs uh i i'm not quite an intangibles guy enough to believe in that when I can't prove it empirically. I'm not a faith-based sports fan. I want the data that supports what I'm saying. But if I were to make the argument, I'd make it around this basketball team if I was trying to make it because there's some unexplained here that I'm like, okay, it can just be surprised. I'm not inclined to believe in magic, but Pat Riley has proven and taken three franchises to this place. And one in New York fell apart as soon as he left and never recovered from it. Like, he knows something that we don't know. And he's still crafting at that. Like, that, I don't think that one's up for dispute. He's got a mastery of this thing uh, that eludes men uh, younger than him.
0: Last thing, because I know you got to go. The point about you wanting it to be difficult was so awesome because I I have a buddy of mine, Scott, who's a lifelong Nuggets fan. Uh, and shout out to Scott's little son, Mason, uh, who enjoyed this in Denver and doesn't know the misery that led up to it. And he went to the game. He went to Game 5. And I think when, when all our teams have a chance to win, as a fan, it's like, I would love a 40-point game. Just like, I don't want to stress about it. I don't want to feel any stress. And he was hoping for that. And Game 5 ended up being this slugfest down to the wire. And of course, they win. But I w- that's more fun. I know you have to win for it to be more fun. But I think even if you lose that game, it's still more fun. The agony, like you feel it in your, like your body. Your body like ceases to function normally in those moments of extreme sports stress. And I'm happy for him that he had to suffer through uncertainty and doubt for 48 minutes of that game until they won. That's better. That's better than, this, than
1: three quarters of celebrating. This isn't a sports thing for me. This is, I've been in years of therapy thing for me. The most rewarding, fulfilling things are the things that are hardest to do. Uh, There is growth on the other side of pain. Life principles. Just go toward the pain. There's growth on the other side of it. In this small, little, stupid playground, uh, what Pat Riley calls the Toy Department of Human Affairs... It's a roller coaster, and the roller coaster is only fun when your stomach drops or if you're a little bit afraid. I understand that you want the comfort of four- and five-game series, never behind, you're always uh, leading. That's uninteresting for everybody. It's the fear that makes it the most fun. Uh, Maybe... Maybe there's no distinction, right? Maybe Denver had it so easy. They blew everybody out. They were clearly better than everybody. Maybe they're like, eh, no, thank you. Don't want to fear. Want to have the best player. Want to have a cement mixer that rolls through the, the paint and just devours everything in its path. And I don't want to fear. But I've been having this argument for 14 years down here, Zach, because like, you can imagine how scared everybody was when it was America against the Heat and, and LeBron and Wade and Bosch. Uh, one of the things that made that the biggest sports story for me in the history of my South Florida sports journalism career is that there was always the fear there that the entire country was going to be laughing at you. It's what elevated all of it to a place that had such stakes for something. Let's, serious here. I know anyone who's finding your podcast takes these things unreasonably seriously, but something that's spectacularly stupid at its core. I love it. You love it. We all love it, but it's a silly thing for people who listen to this to be walking around for two or three days and with a hole in their stomach because the series in Miami went from 3-0 Boston to 3-3 and you really hate Boston and now you're terrified. What Boston has felt for three straight games, now you get to feel for three straight games that's exactly what made game 7 so great and so awful for the people who won and lost because everything got ratcheted to a place that is a higher plane of existence not just for not for not just for sports but for life like if you care about these things there's very few things in the world in entertainment or beyond that make you feel the way this thing does
0: Dan Labitar, there's just nobody who talks about sports the way you do. It's it's poetry, and when you write, it's still poetry and well-reported poetry at that. Um, just absolutely one of a kind. I appreciate you making some time for us, and uh, everyone knows the show. Everybody listens to it. I, I just am so appreciative that you came on.
1: Oh, please, Zach, what you've done, I will continue to tell people as I tell them privately and publicly carving out a space in a labyrinth of uh, assholery and idiots where you have something that is uniquely yours and an audience that follows it. Uh, I respect it from over here because it's worth admiration. It's not that easy to do. And I know, uh, well, I can imagine how hard you have worked on that hustle uh, because it couldn't have happened without you pouring all of your soul into it.
0: I'll see you in South Beach within the next year, hopefully, sir. Thank you, Dan.
1: Anytime, Zach. Always uh, always happy to do this with you whenever you want to talk about sports. It's an amazing thing.